0: Well, good morning, everyone. It is really good to see you. Uh, as Pastor Shannon said, my name is King Kramer, and I am a pastor at Gateway Church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And I've been here several times at this point. And um, you guys are my family in Ohio. So I'm, I'm so grateful to be here. And before we go any, any further, I, I know that Pastor Shannon mentioned some of the things that have gone on with my wife and, and her family and, and in our family. It's been a really tumultuous year. and um, as you mentioned, and some of you knew this already, but Tim Anderson, he father-in-law, he did pass away in April. He battled cancer for about a year and a half, and uh, man, he fought like crazy, and he never wavered in his belief and his faith in Jesus, and um, so we got to celebrate his life in April, and then uh, unfortunately, yesterday, we also got the opportunity to celebrate um, my mother-in-law's life and her passing, so we buried her yesterday, and uh, so it's been a crazy year for my family and for Bree, especially. And I don't say that to, you know, make you feel any pressure that he, for you to say something after service if you see us in the, in the lobby or anything like that. But I just say that to say that there's really no words, you know. There's, no, there's nothing that can prepare you for um, losing both of your parents in six months. There's nothing that can get you ready for that. But one of the things that has been the most consistent thing in our lives over the last six, seven, eight months has been the presence of Pastor Shannon and Pastor Bonnie. And I wanted to take a minute here at the top of, the, of my message to just, just brag on them publicly because you maybe know this, maybe some of you, you, you already know this, but some of you may not, that whenever they get up here and they say that it is an honor to love you, it's an honor to serve your family, to pray for you, they absolutely mean it because they've done it for me and my wife and my daughter, who's now 10 months old. They've done it for us, and they had no reason to. They have been consistent. They would text us. They would reach out to us and just see how we're doing. And they are true, faithful pastors. And they love us so much, and they love you so much. And before we give them a round of applause, which I would really love if we give it as loud as we possibly can here in a second, I just want to tell you both, like, you, you both are a beautiful picture of generosity. When you get up here and you are— Talking about how we're heading into a generous season as a church, that comes from you. Like you bleed that, man. You are generous, so generous. And it's not appropriate to get into the details of it, but my goodness, you are so generous and the way that you've blessed our family. Thank you both so stinking much. And so, can we put our hands together for Pastor Shannon, Pastor Bonnie? I love you. They love you. And um, yeah, I like the standing ovation. I like it. New Spring Church, you are in, you are in phenomenal hands with, with those two. And um, like I said, I'm grateful to be here. I can uh, already hear some of the questions that are going on in your head. Um, number one is, does his voice always sound that raspy? Um, the answer is no. Okay, so we'll answer that one. The second question then probably, is he sick? The answer is yes. The third question is, does he have COVID? No, I do not have COVID. Okay, I got tested twice, so we're double safe. Don't worry. Isn't it, isn't it interesting, like, before 2020, we never would have thought that way. Like, we, we, we never would have thought that, oh, I got a scratchy throat, I need to go to the hospital. You know what I mean? Or, like, the shame of coughing in public. Anybody else? There it is. Come on. So, here's, here's what I just am asking for your permission. As you can tell, my throat is, is, is a little shaky today. So, there may be some moments throughout this morning where I need you to have just a personal, quiet, private moment with Jesus. All right? while I take a good sip of water to make it to the end of the message. During the 9 o'clock, we only had to have about one of those, so hopefully we'll stay on on course for that. But I'm excited to be here with you, and Pastor Shannon gave me the options of talking about generosity or, you know, the continuing the final message, I guess, in the series of we is greater than me. I really felt like I put on my heart this message, and so we're going to come from John chapter 13, and it's a pretty familiar verse. I'm sure that you've read it before if you're, if you're new to church, this is going to be one that you're going to hold on to for a long, long, long time. But it's John chapter 13, starting in verse 34. This is Jesus with his disciples around him. He says, A new command I give you love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's such a great verse. And the title of our message this morning. If you're taking notes, which I hope you are, the title this morning is The Family of God. It's the family of God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this opportunity to be with my New Spring family. Thank you for everything that you're doing among us. Thank you for what you've already started and what you're going to continue in us for the next few minutes. And God, I pray that over this time that you'd knit our hearts together in love for you, in love for each other, and in love for our community. And we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, man, I, I don't know about you, but I'm a nerd, okay? I'm just going to put myself out there. I'm going to let you laugh at me a little bit. I am undoubtedly a nerd. If you were to look at my Google history, you would see some of the weirdest stuff. Like and in and my, my algorithm on YouTube, I get down the weirdest things whenever my brain starts. I just want to learn and learn and learn. I am a nerd. Anybody else? Any other nerds in the, in the house this morning? Come on, fellow nerds unite. Let's go. There we go. I am an absolute nerd, and one of the things that I have learned through my studies of Christianity and the history of Christianity and how it's morphed into what it is today, one of the things that I have learned is that the kingdom of God that you and I are a part of, the movement that Jesus started in a small little area of the world, has now become the most diverse movement in the history of the world. Did you know that? Like, it's become the most diverse movement in the history of the world. It spans across the globe, every tribe, every tongue, every language, every culture. And it says that all of this is welcome into the family of God. And I've got two things I want to show you this morning, two, little, two pictures that I, I hope will illustrate this. The first one is from a, a church in Jerusalem. It's called the Potter Noster. And I, the, first off, my confidence level that I'm saying that right is pretty low, but you can Google it and figure it out. Anyways, the Noster, And as you see on the screen, it's got these little rectangles, these little sections. And in every single section, it's the Lord's Prayer in every language in the world. And if you were to go through and you were to show up on a normal day and you walk through the courtyard, you would see people from every country looking for their native tongue to go and bow and say the Lord's Prayer together. Isn't that beautiful? That's amazing. The next one I want to show you is from the Church of Annunciation at uh, in Nazareth, and this one is mosaics of Mary and Jesus, and as you can tell, they're all very different, and it's kind of similar to the other picture I showed you, that if you were to walk through that courtyard, you would see these pictures, these mosaics of Jesus and Mary displayed in um, their own culture, in their own like appropriate things that would, you know, ad- adequately express their culture to, to the world, and So it's really crazy, and the point of it isn't to say that we can make Jesus whatever we want him to be. The point of it is to say that Jesus is all-encompassing, that he encompasses every culture. He encompasses every language, every tongue, every way of upbringing, every, every aspect of our lives. He is over all of it from east, west, north, and south. It's all his, and you and I get to be a part of this awesome family that spans the globe, so that's the global part of it. But then there's, an also, there's also an element for us in this room that is more of a local community. That if we are going to be the family that God's called us to be, you know that, let me just say this, that you could come into New Spring every single Sunday and you could sit wherever you wanted to sit. And never truly like engage with one another, never get involved, never serve, never let yourself be known. You could do that. Yes, you'll go to heaven. Yes, you'll enter into glory. But man, you'll never experience the benefit of being family on earth. And so my, my prayer this morning and my hope this morning is to give us three practical things that I think that if we will apply these to our lives inside of the context of this community, it will help us be family and live that life and life more abundantly together. Is that okay? So I got three things for us this morning. Number one is that we're going to have to be intentional to practice vulnerability. Family practices vulnerability. And listen, we cannot be family without vulnerability. Here's why. Because there's, where there's no vulnerability, there's no trust. And where there's no trust, there's no love. And I, I, maybe I'm the only one in here. I don't think that I am. But can we just be honest enough, maybe even vulnerable enough, if you will, to say that vulnerability is kind of scary. Anybody else? Am I the only one? Okay, I'll stand. That's fine. I got it. I, I get it. Vulnerability is scary, right? It is terrifying to put yourself out there in front of people, and maybe they'll like it, maybe they won't. And, you know, what I have learned is that the reason why vulnerability is so scary is because it, it, it puts us in this position where we're not sure if people are going to reject us or accept us. So we only show people the areas of our lives and the aspects of our character that we want people to know because we think that they'll accept us if, if we show them this, but we don't ever show them this stuff because if they see that, then maybe they won't accept us. This whole thing of covering up, you it's not like a fatal flaw of yours. Like this has come from the garden. Ever since Adam and Eve were banished from the garden, we've been covering up things we never liked ever since. All the way from the beginning. Vulnerability scary. Because it absolutely addresses that question of, am I going to be accepted or am I going to be rejected? And you know what? One of the things that I love about this family, this New Spring family, is you guys are great at making people feel welcome. You're great at it. I can't tell you how many times I said, somebody said, hello, good to see you. Welcome. It's good to see you. Hello. I'm glad you're here. I can't tell you how many times people said that this morning. It felt like I was walking into my own surprise birthday party. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So, this community is a very welcoming, loving, family oriented group of people that I'm grateful for. And I want to encourage us that if we're going to be the people who practice and embody vulnerability, it's going to require us, as the mature followers of Jesus, being really intentional to make this a family atmosphere, which you are already doing, but continuing to do it even more. Because we don't want just these people that are in this room. We don't want just the same group of people coming every Sunday? Of course, come, absolutely, yes, be, absolutely. But we also want more. And that means we want people who don't know Jesus. We want people who are new to this whole Christian thing. We want people who got lots of questions about the Bible and questions about why are you raising your hands in worship? We've got, we want those people, right, church? I think we do. We want people who are far from God to come home. And if that is going to happen, the first people that they're going to come in contact with are you you. And in order for them to feel like they're a part of this family, it's going to be you being intentional to go over and above making them feel like family so that they then can be vulnerable. If people, you know, maybe you didn't know this, but Dr. Henry Cloud, he talks about this a lot. He says that uh, one of the question that your brain is always asking. He's a psychologist. He's a, he's phenomenal. But anyways, he said the question that your brain is always asking consciously or subconsciously is, am I safe? Am I safe? And that question will be answered in a matter of seconds, if minutes, if not seconds, from the time that when people come here for the first time. You've already done a great job doing it. Keep doing it. Because I think that when that question is answered of, am I safe? It allows us to then take steps towards vulnerability. It allows us to be risky in putting ourselves out there and letting people know not just the good parts of us, but maybe the not so good parts. And that is what I think that is, gonna, is the key to vulnerability. It's not just showing everybody the good things. It's not just showing everybody your, your highlight reel on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, if you're not even on any social media. It's not just showing all the good parts of your life. It's letting people into the deep, dark areas that nobody really sees. That's the vulnerable part. I'm not asking you to get up and share your deep, dark dark secrets from the platform on a microphone. My God, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just asking you that wherever your group is, wherever your community is, the people that you would call if something's rough in your life, maybe take steps there. Start practicing letting people see. And it's, I know it may be difficult and it's gonna be ch- challenging at first, especially because our culture doesn't teach us to do that. Our culture teaches us to put on display what we know everyone's gonna like, what's gonna get us more likes for all the young people in the room, what's gonna get us more attention. That, that's, those are the things our culture tells us to put on display. But what Jesus is asking us to do is he's asking us to be vulnerable with our brothers and sisters. Let's be vulnerable together. One of the things that, that really solidified that my wife, Bree, was that we were going to you know, be husband and wife. Why did, was that so hard for me to say right there? I don't really know. But you guys got the point. Um, Was on our first date, we went and we went to this frozen yogurt place. That's insignificant, but I figured I'd tell you. And then we drove out to this beautiful area in Cleveland, Tennessee that overlooks this awesome lake. And it's great. I know you're like, oh, my God, so so romantic. I can hear it already. That's great. It's a great day. Anyways, we're sitting there. Sun's going down and she starts telling me, you know, some of the things about her past and her life. And then she starts breaking down, starts weeping. And she starts getting in and telling me some really uh, uncomfortable things that, that were challenging for her to say. And she's she told them to me. She's weeping. And she says, you know what? If you don't love me anymore, I, I understand. And you don't, don't, don't want to pursue this relationship. I get it. And in that moment, it was like the exact opposite happened inside of me. I was like, I don't, I don't want, of course I want, I want this. This is amazing. Like, thank you so much for telling me and taking that risk and letting me in. it actually produced a love inside of us that we couldn't have even dreamed of having before that. And even so, still today, one of the things that we do to to continue to practice vulnerability is uh, we have a rule. And so if you're newly married or you've been married you know, just for a few years, or maybe forever, I don't know, take it, it's free. But the rule that we have is no secrets. Absolutely no secrets. We have each other's passwords, we have each other's locations, all that stuff. And we have this rule that if we ever feel any ounce of temptation, to look a different direction or to even have like a lustful thought enter our minds and and whatever. Our rule is that we tell each other because it's through that vulnerability that we see greater love produced. And I know I'm talking about in a marital context, but I think that that's the same principle that would happen in this room is if we as a body, as a community, as a family would say, you know what, I'm going to choose to put myself out there. I'm going to choose to let myself be on display a little bit to a safe group of people that I know that love me and want the best for me. I just promise you that when that happens, it's going to explode in the greater love for you. It's going to lead to you feeling like, man, this isn't just people I go to church with, but these are my family. And that is the whole idea of us being a part of the family of God. So number one, family practices vulnerability. Number two, write this down. Family practices embracing conflict. And this is moment number one where I need you to be with Jesus. Family practices embracing conflict. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Now, before I read this, this is a very, 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 very pivotal moment. It may not seem significant, which I'll explain in a second, but it is a very pivotal moment in Christianity spreading the globe. Here we go. Verse 44, it says, Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. I told you that this may not sound significant when you read it. Maybe you've never read the book of Acts. Maybe you've read it a hundred times, but you never really dove into the history of this merging of the Jews and the Gentiles. But can I tell you that this was a big deal? Like this wasn't just some average Tuesday afternoon meeting at 3 o'clock where they said, hey, you want to pay a part? You go with it? Cool, sign on and move on. No, no, no. This was a big thing because it it made the Jewish people have to confront the tradition and the 600-plus laws that they were told to live their lives by for thousands of years it confronted the very essence of what it meant to be a Jew and they I mean literally all the way from Moses back to Abraham it was these core things that they were then having to confront in order to let the gospel spread to these non-Jewish people and it, this may sound crazy here I'll help you illustrate it we went to Israel a couple years ago or sorry last year right before the world shut down and um, they still abide in a lot of ways by these traditional laws and one of them is is that you can't mix meat and dairy. Maybe you didn't know that, but you can't mix meat and dairy. That means like, oh, what's a good meat and dairy? No, no ham in your omelets. You know what I mean? That's, well, they wouldn't eat pork anyways. You get the point. Anyways, <laughs> maybe not the best example, but point is is they don't mix meat and dairy together. Okay, so you'll have you'll have dairy in the morning and you'll have meat at night. And so we got in our whole you know time lapse is just off or. I'm awake at wee hours of the night. And so, anyways, I got a cup of coffee and um, I, I had my lid on it so the guy couldn't see what was in it. And I'm walking into this dinner room and the guy stops me. And when I tell you that you thought airport security was intense, this dude, he was not about to let me in that room if I had any form of milk in my coffee. None of it. Because that's how steeped in tradition that they still are if they, you know, have, you know, as that's just who they are. And Can you just imagine how much bigger of a deal this would have been back in the days of Jesus whenever they said, hey, we've got these Gentiles that don't look like us, don't think like us, haven't been raised the way that we've been raised, don't have the tradition that we have, and yet they want to be a part of us. What do we do? This is a moment of great conflict. I hope I'm setting it up and I hope you're following me. Because what I'm wanting you to understand is that In order for us to truly be family, it means that we've got to work through some of the disagreement and some of the conflict that's going to naturally come from us doing life together. Do I have any any siblings in the house? Anybody got any siblings? Like you're maybe the baby, you got some older siblings. I'm the baby, so any other babies? Babies in the house? Hey-oh! Favorites, am I right? Oh yeah, you know it. And all the older siblings are like, you know it's true. Now, my next question is, how many of you have ever fought with your sibling? Some of you are like, yeah, we're still fighting today. It's been like 30 years. Okay, so if we do that in the natural, we do that with our own DNA, our, our flesh and blood from a family standpoint, how much more so are we gonna do that as followers of Jesus where we come from all different backgrounds? We come from different cultures. We come from different ways of, of being you know, trained and brought up. It's, it's all different, and yet we've been told to come together as one. That's really hard. Of course there's gonna be conflict. But if we approach conflict the same way that the world embraces conflict, you and I are in a lot of trouble. Because what the world tells us is about when people disagree with us, distance from them. Stiff arm them. Put them in a different area of your life. Don't spend any time with them. Don't worry about them. Just put them over there. They'll be all right. It doesn't teach us to lean into that relationship. It doesn't teach us to to ask more questions and to learn and to take a posture of maybe even a nerd. Where you're asking more questions than you're giving input. It's gonna, it requires that level of leaning into the relationship. And that's not really what culture teaches us. Can I tell you, though, that if the Jewish people did not figure this out, and let's go to Acts chapter 15, let's read this really quickly. It says, And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, from eating the meat of strangled animals, and from consuming blood. For these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city, every Sabbath for many generations. Bottom line is that they figured it out. If they didn't figure that out, if they did not figure this out, there is a great, great, great chance that you and I are not a part of the kingdom of God. If they don't figure out what do we do with all these 600 plus laws and all these traditions that we've been brought up in, if they don't figure out what to do with that and all these people who haven't and how do they be a part of this family too, then you and I are never receiving Jesus. So here's what I'm wanting you to get, is that conflict is not an opportunity to distance people from your lives and isolate people who from, you know, when they disagree with you or there's an offense. No, it's actually an opportunity for greater love and greater intimacy. And I think that even in, the, in our day where we're talking about diversity a lot, I think that when the world looks upon a diverse church that looks like heaven, it opens up the doors for even more opportunity for love to reach the community. That is the point of Acts chapter 10 in that portion of scripture. We gotta be people who don't respond to disagreements the same way as culture. We gotta be different. We can't just come in and say that we we sing the songs, we raise our hands, we worship as beautifully as we did this morning, and then we go out and we treat people the exact same way as people who don't believe in Jesus. We cannot do that. So my challenge to you this morning is that maybe there's some things, there's some people that you've, ostracized from your life a little bit. You've put on the back burner because maybe there was some relational tension that you didn't know how to work through, didn't want to work through, whatever it is. My challenge to you is work through it. It's to take the posture of Jesus and the mind of Christ, clothed in humility and figure it out. Because when the early church figured it out and they clothed themselves with the mind of Christ, it led to you being a part of the kingdom. I wonder what would happen in that relationship if you did the same thing. Can we just take a moment before we... Go on to the final part of the message. We just take a second. And I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit, just close your eyes, bow your heads right there where you are. Have a moment between you and God. Is there a relationship? Is there anything, any person in my life that maybe has been put on the back burner that need, there needs to be some reconciliation with? We're not perfect. All of us could probably think of somebody. So number one, if we're going to be family, family practices vulnerability. As Brian comes up and begins to play, number two, family practices embracing conflict. And number three, I want you to write this down, family practices forgiving each other. Family practices forgiving each other. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. One more time. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. You all remember this part of the Lord's Prayer where it says, um, forgive us our debts as we forgive those. I just got the versions mixed up in my head. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgiveness is a core, 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 core part of what it means to follow Jesus. It is at the the foundation. We're talking about building our lives on on the rock. I would be hard-pressed to find another element of our lives that's gotta be built on Him than, than the first one being forgiveness. Learning how to forgive people who wrong us, learning how to not take offenses, learning how to not become bitter people. You know, culture really is really good at helping us become bitter. They're really good at teaching us how to make more enemies and vilify people. You, you turn on any form of news, any form, any form of social media and you're gonna find another villain every day. It just is what it is. They're doing a really good job of teaching us how to cancel each other. Somebody makes a mistake, cancel. Somebody says something stupid, cancel. Somebody does something 30 years ago, cancel. That's what they're doing. And whether we would consciously answer the question I'm about to ask you, if I were to ask you this morning and and say, you know what, if somebody wrongs you, would you forgive them? Somebody offends you, do you forgive them? I would venture to say that majority of us this morning would say, of course, of course I forgive them. But then we would go, Out and live our lives, and I know that if I were to answer that question and say, yes, I forgive them, but you were to be a fly on the wall of my life, you would see areas and situations and instances with people where I did not forgive them at all. Where, yeah, when someone asks me point blank, consciously, I'm gonna say, of course I'm gonna forgive, but subconsciously, I've been trained to make enemies. I've been trained to have offenses. I've been trained to become bitter. And can I just tell you this morning that you cannot be a part of the kingdom of God and be an incubator for bitterness. You can't continue to hold on to things that have happened. Maybe even yesterday or last week or 30 years ago. You can't do it. Because forgiveness is the river of life that leads all to God's plans and purposes for your life. And every time that you choose to take an offense, that you choose to grudge, that you choose to become bitter, you're just building up a dam in your life, preventing God's plans and purposes for you. Every time. And my hope this morning, my hope this morning is that if there is something, I kind of sense coming into to church today, that there may be some people, who have had something that hurt, hurt them really badly when they were a kid or somewhat recently and you haven't forgiven them. I know I, I, I've got a story whenever I, a couple years ago, my wife and I had a close friend who uh, we went on vacation together, intimate part of our lives and we let into see some of our mess and some of our dysfunction because we're humans and we're flawed, right? And um, This person came in and and used it against us and tried to to make all these accusations towards me and my wife and our friends and family. And it was like, oh, this is nonsense. Like, what are you doing? Anyways, it it was really dumb, but it led me to this place where I remember countless times writing in my journal, I hate this person. This person loved Jesus. And I remember just saying, I hate them, I hate them, I hate them, I hate them. Because not only did they try to come after my family, they tried to come after like what, God, what God's called me to do. And it felt very personal. It felt like the deepest form of betrayal that I had experienced at this point in my life. And um, so I just told him, I hate her. Months go by, I keep writing, it. man, I, can't, I hate them. I hate them. A few months go by again, and I remember the Lord just came to me and he said, he said, King, do you want to follow me? I said, of course. Obviously, I want to follow you. I'll, I'll give my life for you. He said, are you sure? I said, obviously. Like, yes, absolutely. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I said, you got to forgive that person. Because if you don't, you're just building up a block. You've created a stumbling block that's keeping you from becoming more and more like me. And if you want to follow me, you've got to forgive them. And I know that there may be some people in the room this morning, you have a similar situation and scenario. And you may be asking the question, King, how in the world do I forgive somebody who's wronged me, who betrayed me, who came and and knew like the the darkest parts of me and used it against me? How do I do that? I'll tell you that the times in my life where I've found to be the least forgiving are the times when I forgot how much Christ forgave me when I forget that, man, I'm a mess. I'm I'm in shambles without Jesus. That while I was a sinner, Christ still died for me. When he had every right to hold my debts and my wrongs against me, he still laid down his life for me. He still opened up his arms, took the beating and laid everything out for me and you. So maybe this morning, before I ask you to to do something really courageous, maybe we just need to take a moment. We just need to look to Jesus. Can we do that? Can we just close our eyes and bow our heads right where we are? I'm going to ask you to stand here in a moment, but right now I want you to stay seated. And I want you, however you need, however you do this, I want you to try and imagine the beauty and the glory of God on the face of Jesus Christ, who gave everything for you, who became sin, who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness, who laid everything down and bore our sin and our shame so that we could be sinless and shameless. So, God, we look to you and we turn our attention to you. Before we do anything and we exercise any forgiveness or what you're asking us to do, God, we turn our attention to your glory. And now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you a question. Is there anybody in the room this morning that would say, You know what, King, I've I've been holding a grudge against somebody? I've been bitter, I've grown bitter could be from something a couple of weeks ago or it could be something from when you were a child. Was there anybody that would say, you know what, I've got some bitterness in my life and I need to take care of it. Would you just raise your hand if that's you? Awesome. Keep your hand up, please. Awesome. Thank you for being vulnerable and doing that. Thank you, thank you. And here's what I'm gonna ask everybody to do. I'm gonna ask everybody to stand with me. And I'm gonna for every single person who just raised your hand, or several all over the room. And even if you didn't raise your hand and you feel like you, you needed to, or you got something you need to do business with, I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. And I want you to repeat it after me. And whenever I say amen, our worship team is gonna lead us in a time of response where I want, I want us to just take the next few minutes and just worship.